Hi there, and welcome to Vineyard Church Delaware County's podcast. My name is Michael Hansen. I'm the lead pastor here at the church, and I am so glad that you have joined us for this week's message. I'm going to have a little bit more to say at the end, but for now, enjoy the teaching. Hey, everyone. Good to see all of you. Um, I'm going to be continuing our series, uh, Who Do We Think We Are? And uh, really, I'm going to be picking up right from where Ben left off last weekend. If you, uh, if you haven't yet, uh, if you weren't here last weekend or if you haven't yet uh, gone online to watch that service, I want to highly recommend it. I thought Ben did an excellent job uh, with the text. And just as a reminder, last weekend we also announced that Ben and his lovely wife Olivia, uh, their three lads, are going to be going uh, ramping up. Uh, to planting a vineyard church in Lewis Center. And that process will start in uh, later this summer. But please uh, be praying for them. That's a big deal. And uh, uh, we want to get behind them in every way. But if you missed this talk, uh, make sure you check it out. I know uh, last weekend or leading up to last weekend, I was a little, uh, little bit anxious, a little bit concerned because Ben's passage, which was uh, Ephesians 4, 17 to 32, and my passage, Ephesians 5, 1 to 20 are so similar. Um, they both talk about our behavior, they, you know, the way we act, the way we talk, etc. And if you remember two weeks ago, Andrew, in, in his section, the first half of Ephesians 4, what he focused on was how do we live out this new life in Christ that we've been learning about in this study in Ephesians? How do we live out this new life in Christ as a church family? And if you remember a lot of what Andrew was talking about was uh, unity and, and oneness. But then last week, Ben's uh, talk and then, and then mine this week, they both focus on how do we live out this new life we have in Christ around people who aren't part of our church family, people who may not be believers. Like how do we live out this new life the other six days of the week, if you will. And uh, so early on in his prep week, I reached out to Ben. I just said, hey, our, if you haven't noticed, our passages are really similar. Like, what are you going to say? Will you, will you leave me some scraps, you know, to, to work with? And so he told me, if you were here last weekend, you know that he had two points. And basically the points were, uh, it's not us versus them. It's the new self versus the old self. That was his first point. And the second point was uh, the Holy Spirit will change us but we need, we need to let him. And so that, that was super, super helpful for me because as I listened last weekend to Ben, again, I, I saw lots of the similarities to our, to our different uh, sections, but I also started to see the areas where they were different. So like Ben's section last week focused more on like taking off the old way of living, like taking off a, a dirty old garment, right? The first verse in his section was you must no longer live as Gentiles do. And remember, uh, this letter was written to Gentile, non-Jew, uh, Gentile believers. Uh, that's who the letter was written to. And basically, Paul was saying in that, like, he's, he's calling them away from their old way of living. And, and now in my section, what we're going to look at today, it focuses more on, you know, so now putting on the new way of living or putting on the new garment that we have received from Jesus. And uh, the first verse in mine, and we'll talk a bit more about this, but the first verse in my section basically starts off with, be imitators of God, therefore. So you've got, you know, take off the old, don't live the way you used to, uh, put on the new, learn now to live as imitators of God. And here's something I know in a talk like this, <coughs> excuse me, is that whenever you, you know, whenever you do a talk that pushes in on Christian behavior, 
I know just looking out at all of you that it's probably going to push all the wrong buttons. It's like, hey, welcome to church. It's time for your weekly review. You know, let's run the, let's run the tape. But, but it's like, you know, b- buttons will be pushed like, you know, my performance, expectations, uh, comparisons to others, competition, rating, numbers, striving, you know, failing, guilt, self-loathing. It's like all these different buttons. But, but we need to remember, as we move into what I'm going to look at today, we need to remember what we've been learning in this series. Right? Like what it even means to be a Christian. Right? What it means is, is a Christian is someone who God has rescued and someone who God, you know, basically someone who he has revived. Like it's reviving a spiritually dead person. That's what a Christian is. It's someone who has received something from God that they did not earn. A gift of grace. Forgiveness for all our sins. Restored, you know, relationship uh, restored relationship with God and an eternal future with him. It's his daily, it's his presence with us all the time. It's, uh, it's God having, you know, giving us purpose where he has works for each, for each one of us to do in this life. And then there's a reminder that it's his great power at work within us that's going to bring all of this about. Now, somebody should say amen because that's good news. That's really good news. And so whenever God presses into areas of behavior, tells us to you know, stop doing this, know that he's, he's doing it because he loves you. Know that he's doing it because he knows that you know, what we're doing is either hurting us and or hurting those around us and or, and this is the, the focus of my talk, and or getting in the way of you and I becoming the people he has called us to be. Uh, one, of my, one of my Christian heroes, you can throw that picture up. One of my Christian heroes is this man. His name is Dallas Willard. And uh, Dallas Willard uh, died back in 2013. And get this, this says something about Dallas Willard. The final words that he spoke before he died were, thank you. Those were his final words. Thank you. And that says a lot about him. That's someone you want to follow. That's someone you want to learn from. Dallas Willard has written many books uh, done all kinds of conferences. You can search his name on YouTube and there's just loads of really good stuff that comes up. One of his teachings is that uh, this life on earth as Christians, it's to be seen, it's to be lived as a time, and this is the phrase he would use, as a time of training for reigning. That's how he saw it, training for reigning. So meaning that this, you know, the, this word sanctification, just basically saying the way God transforms a human life when he changes you from the old self to the new self. That what, what Willard is saying, that it isn't just changes for this life, but it's more changes for what he has for us, the works he has for us in the next forever life. Like if you ever considered, I mean, I, we are not gonna, like heaven is not sitting on a cloud playing a harp forever. I love playing guitar, but not that much. But, but if you think about it, like, what are we going to be doing in heaven? Well, obviously, we'll be playing hockey because it's in the Bible. But uh, I also believe, and this is what Willard would teach, is that God has, like, awesome, amazing stuff for us to do with him for eternity, reigning with him for forever. Uh, and, and, the, and the training for that starts now. And so in answering the question, who do we think we are? And again, this is going to be the focus of my talk. We are kingdom of God people, people who in this life, God is training 
for reigning. So hopefully that makes sense. Uh, let's pray and then we'll jump into the, into the text. <clears throat> so Lord, I thank you uh, for another opportunity to gather. I thank you for your presence here with us. And I, I, I pray that there would be just a, a real freedom in the room uh, for us just to be honest with you. Lord, I, I, you know us, you know what, what we're struggling with, what we're excited about, just all the stuff of life. And I pray that you would come close today. Uh, tune us in, awaken us to your presence here. We welcome you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, uh, if you've got a Bible or a Bible app, uh, turn to Ephesians 5. And I'm going to read through the whole section of mine. It's uh, Ephesians 5, 1 through 700. And uh, no, it's 1 to 20, but it's quite a big chunk. So uh, get comfortable. Here we go. Verse 1. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, <clears throat> and walk in the way of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil." Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, that's, <clears throat> that's quite a chunk. So again, I encourage you to stay, uh, uh, keep that section open. Uh, first thing I want to point out as we went through that section are all the phrases in that text that I think really support, reinforce Willard's teaching that in this life, uh, you know, that this life is a season of training uh, for reigning. Phrases that point to movement from the old self, the old ways, to the new self, to the new ways. Phrases like verse 8 that says, once you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. There's, there's movement there. Verse 10, and find out what pleases the Lord. That says that there's something that we don't know that we need to learn. Verse 15, live not as unwise, but as wise. Verse 17, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And so Paul is painting a picture of the work that God's wanting to do in all of his people, kingdom of God uh, of people. 
And, and again, he's, you know, uh, it's people that he is wanting to, I think I've said this every time, every sermon in, in Ephesians, I've said people that he is wanting to, the plan is to lift us up and put us on display for all the world to see. People, you, me, people that he is, you know, he is actively working in our lives, changing us, making us more and more into kingdom people. And the plan is that, that other people will see us and through the kingdom of God changes that they see in your life, that they're actually going to be drawn to God through that. that that's the plan. And so I want to look at, uh, at parts of this passage, not all of the passage, through that lens. And, it's got, and I'm going to move pretty quick. It's a bit of a laundry list. I actually have seven points uh, today. So you might want to grab a couple more activity bags for your kids. But uh, number one is this. Uh, kingdom of God people, number one, recognize they have been invited into something humanly impossible. Okay, let me read the first two verses again. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Now, um, in your Bible and other translations, it may say something like this. Be imitators of God, therefore, which I think is a better, in my very humble opinion, is a better translation. Because, you know, it was originally written in Greek. And the original word is this word uh, mimetes, from which we get the word mimic. And so what Paul is saying to him is he's saying, kingdom of God people are called to be mimickers of God. Now, just think about that. Called to be mimickers of God. Like, our response to that should be, What? Are you kidding me? Mimickers of God? Like that is impossible. And I don't know if Paul was thinking this way, but it's like he goes, okay, okay, I realize I just, you know, I, I probably set the bar a little high. Uh, you know, let me make it a little easier. What I mean is you need to learn to walk in the way of love, to follow the example of Jesus. And I'm like, well, thanks so much, Paul. That didn't help at all, right? It's still, it's still impossible. God may as well be saying, like he, he may as well be saying, if you want to follow me, you need to mimic American gymnast Simone Biles. Look at this. You need to be able to do this if you, if you want to follow me. Bing! Bing! Oh, no. There it is. Okay, you need to be able to do that. And please don't try it, because I don't think our insurance covers hips. But, but you look at that and you go, I got to do that? That's impossible. That's not, I mean, I she's like from Mars, if you've ever watched her. But it's like, so it's like, I mean, that is impossible, right? And here's the thing about this. Listen to this quote. If what it means to be a follower of Jesus doesn't daily bring you to a place of saying, oh, Lord, I can't do it. I need you. Change me. Then you have not understood or grasped what you have been called to as a Christian. Does that make sense? Like, okay, so as kingdom, okay, I can stop talking about that. <laughs> That's good. So as kingdom of God people, how do we embrace, how do we live then? Do we just live with a sense of failure every day, right? Like, how do we live, how do we embrace such an impossible, overwhelming call? And the answer is in the first verse where it says, uh, to live this life as dearly loved children. That's the answer. See, it's knowing, it's getting up each day, knowing what you're called to, but also knowing that your Father in heaven loves you unconditionally, knows you intimately, knows that what he has just, what he's just called you to, it's like so beyond you, like you could live a thousand lifetimes and you wouldn't get any closer than you are now to getting, reaching that level. 
And he knows that about you. And so what he has done is he has actually taken that on himself to accomplish in you that impossible task. One of my favorite verses, another verse of Paul's, uh, Philippians 1, 6 says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. How do we embrace such an impossible call? How do we live with that each day? We live it knowing that we are God's dearly loved children and that he is committed to finish. It's his responsibility to finish what he has started in you. That's the first point. See, we're flying. Second point, kingdom of God people recognize the seriousness of all sin. Verse three, but among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. That's what it says. (laughs) Okay, so these are improper, these are improper for God's to be put on display for all the world to see people. And it's like, you know, when I read that, <clears throat> you know, it says not even a hint. And there is a, uh, well, a, a fleshy part of me that goes, well, hey, God, could you define hint? Right? Like, like and what I'm saying, and you know what I'm saying, it's like, so how close to the line can I actually go before I've actually stepped into sin. And God's like, well, let me, let me say it again. Not even a hint, right? And so kingdom of God people, what he's wanting to grow in us is a greater understanding uh, that we are in a spiritual battle, right? A greater understanding of that. Therefore, re- and, you know, increasingly recognizing the seriousness of all sin, and, and, and the seriousness of, the, of all temptation to sin. Last, last weekend, <clears throat> Ben referred to the city of Ephesus like an ancient New York City. You know, this big, you know, uh, uh, melting pot, cultural melting uh, pot and very pagan city. Like idols galore, right? I mean, like, like literally forms of worship in their temples that, that I can't even mention in front of younger ears because they were so perverse, right? And, that, and he's speaking to these young believers in that community, and he's basically saying to them, hey, kingdom of God person, you need to be on your guard. This isn't a game. This is serious. First uh, Peter 5, 8 says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. See, any sin, whether it's sexually based or, you know, whatever, impurity, greed, I mean, just the whole gamut, uh, 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 whether it's culturally acceptable or not, what Paul is saying, what the Bible teaches, it's to be treated as something really serious. In fact, the Bible teaches us it's something that you and I must flee from. Uh, Kingdom of God, people recognize the seriousness of all sin. Number three, kingdom of God, people recognize the power of their words. Recognize the power of their words. Verse four says this. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. Now, you know, when we, 
When we get ready to do a, a, another series, one of the things that Andrew does, he's really good at is, you know, I can remember a few months back saying, hey, we're going to go through the book of Ephesians. And so then one of the tasks I give to Andrew is you go through and you pick the topics for the, you know, it's going to be eight weeks or however many weeks. You lay it out. He's really good at that. And I knew, I knew when I was at Ephesians that I was going to get this passage. And this one hits really home for me because some of you know, well, many of you know that I, like, I love to play. And I love to laugh. I love to joke. Um, you know, I, I love to make people laugh. When I make people laugh, it just fills up this tank inside of me. But here's something else I know is that over the years, I've hurt people through my humor. In fact, I'm pretty sure there's people I don't know that I've hurt uh, through, through my humor. And, but again, in this whole process, God is wanting to help us take off the old self and put on the new self. And one of the things he's wanting to grow kingdom of God people in is, is a growing understanding, a growing you know, recognition of the power of our tongues, of the power of words for either good or for evil, to bless or to curse. This is so accurate. James 3, 7 says, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But listen to this. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, hey, VCDC, this should not be. And again, for me, this is ouch. This should not be, but I know it is. But I know it is for me, and I'm sure it is for many of you. And so let me say again, if it, what it means to be a follower of Jesus doesn't daily bring you to a place of saying, oh, Lord, I can't do it. Oh, Lord, I need you. Oh, Lord, please change me. Like, if, 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 you, if you don't come to that place, you say, then you have not understood or grasped what you have been called to as a Christian. Number four, kingdom of God, people recognize that we will all be held accountable for our actions. Verse five says this, for of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. And again, Paul's just continuing. He's speaking to these young believers. He's saying, hey, hey, this is not a game. This whole thing of life, it's not a game. You, you need to realize that, that there will be consequences to your actions, right? You, consequences to, to your choices. And that's just for you. That goes for every human being. There will be uh, consequences. And, and in this life, God is wanting to grow in each one of us as kingdom of God people, a greater sense each day, a greater sense of mission, that we are on a mission. And we have with God a job to do. And here at the Vineyard, we talk a lot about our four connects, connect to God, to the church, uh, to our purpose, to our community. And if we are going to be imitators of God, if we're going to follow uh, in the example of Jesus, it will mean God, you know, using those four connects to work into our lives a greater passion, a greater desire, a greater love for the lost. And when the Bible talks about the lost, it means anyone who, who does not yet know Jesus. 
You know, anyone who has not yet experienced being rescued by him and being revived by God. And I heard, I heard this quote recently. It says, the work of God is not to make bad people good, but rather to make dead people live. That's the work of God. Kingdom of God, people recognize that we will all be held accountable for our actions. Number five, kingdom of God, people recognize the need to walk by faith and not by sight. Verse eight, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. You know, and this is one, uh, uh, this whole thing of faith, right? The Christian faith, like uh, Hebrews 12, 11, one says, now faith, here's, here's the definition of faith. Faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. Like, that's kind of crazy if you think that through. That's what we have been called to in this life. And one of the things that's challenging is, you know, I'm talking so much this morning about God changing us from the old to new and that he's wanting to put us on display that people will see that and they'll be, you know, they'll see that new garment that's on you and they're going to go, who made that? Oh, Jesus made this. Jesus made this change that you see in me. And they're going to be drawn to him through you. And it's like, it's like when you look at that, let's be honest with each other. We, we struggle to believe that's actually true because so much, so often in our lives, that has to be received by faith. Like, like what, I, what I mean is it's like, like it's, we're in a, we live in a culture where just because like when it's hard for us to see it, when it's hard for us to feel it, when it's hard for us to understand that it's even possible, it's hard for us to even believe it's true. Does that make sense? And you know, Dallas Willard, we don't have a slide for this, but Dallas Willard, he said, you know, in the Western culture, he said something that he has observed is, is that, uh, you know, people, if we don't feel it, we, we, it's really hard for us to believe it's true. And he said, you know, people in our culture, people tend to believe their doubts and doubt their beliefs. And he said, but what God is wanting to change in you is to, is to doubt your doubts and to believe to believe your beliefs. I know, you know, the first talk I did in this series was back, uh, it was in Ephesians 2, where Paul says this crazy thing to the people. He says this in verse 6. He says, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. And it's like, what he's basically what he's saying is, hey, follower of Jesus, hey, Christian, whether you feel it or not, what that says is right now, like you, because of, because of what Jesus has done on your behalf, you have now been adopted into the family of God. And he says that right now you sit, right now you have 24-7 access, right now you are always welcome at the table of God with your brother Jesus. It's like, what? What, what does that mean? What is that? Like, how do I live that? How do I walk that out? See, whether or not you feel it, just to get back to our passage, whether or not you feel it as a follower of Jesus, what he's saying is God has done something in you that has changed something so deeply in you that once you were darkness, but now you are light. Now you are light. Now you are light. But then it says in the Lord, which, which is a really helpful hint because it's saying, remember, it's his light. Right? In the Lord you are light. It's his light shining in you and through you. And kingdom of God people are learning to live by faith and not by sight. Are learning to live beyond what we feel. Like to, to believe our beliefs over our doubts. Kingdom of God people are learning that everywhere we go, he goes. Everywhere we go, he shines. 
through us, whether we feel it or not. We walk by faith and not by sight. Two more. Kingdom of God people recognize that kingdom wisdom is different from worldly wisdom. Verse 15. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. You know, <clears throat> we live in a world where there's, there are lots of different markers, uh, lots of different ways of determining your level of wisdom or how smart you are, right? Like you can, uh, you can measure your IQ. You can take an IQ test. Uh, you can, you know, as a student, you accumulate a, a GPA, right? Uh, I know for a lot of our high schoolers, you've been, you probably sat down to take the admissions test, the SAT test, right? And so, you know, these different markers are going to tell you whether or not you are smart, they're going to tell you just where you, where you rate and whether or not you, you know, what level of worldly wisdom you have. And for some people, the results from those tests will be really good. And for some people, it'll, you know, they'll sort of fall all the way below that. So let, let, let me ask, how many of you are not good test takers? Not good test takers. Ah, my brothers, my sisters. Like, how many of you are good test takers? Yeah, well, good for you. Okay. <clears throat> Oh, no, did I just say that? I, I got to listen to my own talk. No, but seriously, for many people, getting a high test score, you may as well put it in that category of be imitators of God or be, uh, be imitators of Simone Biles, right? It's just not going to happen, right? That's like, like, that's so impossible. It's so far out of reach. It's only for the select few. Well, I, I have good news for us. Kingdom of God people are learning that kingdom wisdom is very different from worldly wisdom. And it is available to all. Uh, Jeremiah 9.23, this is from the message, so it's mo more modern language, says this, God's message. Don't let the wise brag of their wisdom. Don't let heroes brag of their exploits. Don't let the rich brag of their riches. If you brag, brag of this and this only, that you understand and know me. I'm God, and I act in loyal love. I do what's right and set things right and fair and delight in those who do the same things. These are my trademarks, God's decree. See, when it comes to kingdom wisdom, it really is a case of who you know over what you know. Last one. Number seven, kingdom of God people recognize that what fills you controls you. Verse 18, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Now, notice that Paul doesn't say, do not drink wine or alcohol, right? What does he say? He says, do not get drunk on wine or alcohol. And there's a big difference between those two statements. And really, the difference is that one word, control. That's the difference. See, for some of us, for some of us, we probably shouldn't drink any alcohol, some of us are one drink away from being out of control or from being under its control. And basically what Paul is saying is like whatever fills you, is, that's what's going to control you. If you're filled with anger, you are controlled by anger. If you're filled with fear, well, then you are controlled by fear. If you're filled with lust, then you are controlled by lust. If you're filled with self-pity, then you are controlled by self-pity. If you're filled with jealousy, 
then you are controlled by jealousy. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, then you are controlled by the Holy Spirit. Paul says, do not be drunk on wine. Instead, be filled with the Spirit of God. And this is where, as I'm wrapping this up, this is where I'm going, kingdom of God, people are learning in this life to, when they see their weaknesses, <clears throat> when they see their, you know, the weaknesses in their lives, to rejoice. Because every time I see that weakness, it is a reminder of how much I need God, how much I need to be filled uh, by God. It's like, it's like, you know, so when you see that gap, let it be a reminder to you that it's not time to run and hide. It's not time to just pull up your socks. It's time to run to God and to say, I need to be filled. See, because you are his dearly loved child, it is his responsibility to finish the work in you. It is your responsibility to be filled with him. And so what I mean is this, and just getting practically, how do you do that? How do we get filled by the Holy Spirit. One of those ways is through prayer. I mean, prayer is just talking with God. So whether you're praying or you're on your own or you're having someone pray for you, <clears throat> prayer is, is, is simply one of the ways that we ask God to come fill us. We see the, the lack. You're like, you, you say you want me here and I'm here. You know, there's, will you fill me then? That's why in the vineyard we pray over and over. We say what? Come Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, fill us. You know, uh, Danny and Penny Meyer, uh, back in, way back in 2002, uh, planted this church. And one of the things that Danny used to say was this. He used to say, if you're going to follow Jesus, you need to get used to being in kindergarten for the rest of your life. Okay, now that is brilliant. Because what he's saying is, you know, struggling with the basics of what it means to follow Jesus. You know, uh, Having to constantly go to the teacher and ask for help, that is the normal Christian life. Right? It's like, it's like, going, like, it's like going to the teacher saying, teacher, will you help me tie my shoes? I feel so stupid right now. You'd think by now I would know how to tie my own shoes. Like you'd think by now I would be able to do this on my own, but I can't. Teacher, will you help me? Like you'd think by now I would have learned not to talk to my spouse that way. You'd think by now I would know not to discipline my kids that way. You'd think by now I would know not to drink that much, not to go off the handle like that, not to look at that, not to act that way at work, not to, uh, but I still do. I still struggle, so will you help me? And again, what is his response? His response is to lean into you and say, oh, son, daughter, this is the plan. You are my workmanship. You are my dearly loved child. I am committed to finish what I have started in you. And so through prayer, through prayer, and then finally, why don't we have the worship team come on up? It's through worship. One of the wonderful things about worship is God is so smart. He uses melodies and simple lyrics, and, and, and he uses them to awaken us to his presence. He uses us, like I know after worship, for, for many of you, I hope for all of you, you feel filled up, don't you? Does that make sense? You feel like you've just been filled up and encouraged. Worship is such a powerful way of asking God. It's why we tell us to you know, engage our bodies. You know, open your hands, because I don't know about you. Well, I do know about you. We all need to be filled. We all fall short. And so it's within worship that we get to do that. And it's especially important because the next three talks 
are going to get even more practical. And it's going to be important that we, it just becomes a daily rhythm of saying, oh, oh, I see the lack. Lord, will you fill me up? So why don't we all stand up? Uh, we're going to go back into worship. Feel free to take communion. If you didn't grab your elements, they're back on the tables. Just feel free to go and get them while we're singing. Uh, but take them on your own. And then um, uh, if you, during worship, if you feel like God stirs a picture, a thought, a word, a scripture, uh, just come on over here to Andrew and uh, let him know. And then, and then uh, at, after this time of worship, we will we'll take some time to pray. Let's worship. Well, Thanks so much for joining us today. I hope that what you heard has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. For more information and to contact us, go to vcdc.org. We'll bless you. Have a wonderful week.